Radio Drome. Thursday night means Radio Drome, and it also means Brad Jones skipped scanners, but he's back. <laughs> yep, I'm back. Or if people are listening to this on my site, Sunday means Radio Drome. So, Brad, since you missed the scanners retrospective, why don't you scan adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME to get three free DVDs, 50% off of a single item, free U.S. shipping, and a free mystery gift. Since you skipped last week to so we could do the Scanners Retrospective, uh-huh. before that we were talking controversial movies. And it got me thinking, what's controversial has really changed over the years, hasn't it? Same with what is shocking. There's a review, and I'm going to quote from it in a, in a moment. But Psycho Holocaust... Hank Carlson, he did the practical effects on the snob movie, and he's a friend of mine. He did the effects on this movie called Psycho Holocaust, where a guy gets raped to death with a saw. In the review, and I'm quoting here, So if you like watching dudes get cornholed with saws, then this movie is for you. In my opinion, this kind of horror has no class and is tasteless. Would you ever see Vincent Price butt-fucking someone with anything in any movie? And that is my point. That got me thinking. You know, from the Vincent Price era of just horror, for example, what's shocking and horrific really has changed, hasn't it? Well, you can't really complain about class. If you're a reviewer, you can't really complain about lack of class if you use the term butt-fucking in your review or or some ultra-vulgar term like that. But that's complaining about a movie that's not even supposed to be classy. The movie's not a movie that that would contain something like that. It isn't supposed to be really deep. It's not supposed to be classy. It's not supposed to be high end material we're talking about here. So it seems to be weird that a reviewer would even would even complain about that about the movie. That's like like uh, if there's a review that comes out for shot on Shidio and they're complaining that it's too po- not politically correct. You know, what? Okay. It's kind of the <laughs> point, right? Yeah. But I think that with I think that shocking is a little different than just straight up controversy because a movie can be controversial because it's shocking, but that might not be the only thing that makes it controversial. With controversy, you might find a movie nowadays that's controversial for the same reasons it would be controversial in the 1960s and the 1970s. With a movie being very shocking, it's different because people get desensitized to stuff over time. I mean, myself included. What would shock me 15 years ago wouldn't necessarily shock me now because I've seen a bunch of stuff that's like that. You know, it's like, okay, the first the first time I saw E.T. getting screwed in a porn, yeah, it was a little gross. By the third Brad, I to- need to interrupt you. Is, is, it, is it shocking that you had to qualify the first time? Well, that's my point. My point is that, yeah, the first time you see that, yeah, it's, it's kind of gross. But by the time you see it a third time, uh, I've seen this before a few times. I'm not really quite as shocked by it anymore. And that's just a progression over time, especially when we get into the mainstream. What would be shocking to a mainstream audience in the 1950s would most likely not be shocking to a mainstream audience now. And I really mean mainstream because, like, yeah, you would see some really grotesque stuff in the Herschel Gordon Lewis movies of the 60s, but that certainly wasn't very mainstream. Whereas you can find mainstream stuff on television nowadays that's pretty graphic. Not even nowadays. Let's go back to 1987. Remember Friday the 13th, the TV series? Mm -hmm. That was so controversial 
because it had levels of violence that even Paramount said, you know, a lot of this stuff we'd have trouble getting past in a Friday the 13th movie, and we're putting this on free TV. You can get away with a lot, and and, and I'm not I'm, I'm not saying you can get away with a lot of levels of violence on TV now that you can't in a movie. That is, if you're the type of producer that wants your movie to be a PG-13. Like on network television, you see like maggots eating people's brains and stuff like that. Some stuff that would be an R like instantly. It really sucks. It really, really sucks when our TV lame-ass procedural cop shows are more graphic than a slasher movie that you would see in theaters because said slasher movie has been chopped down to a PG-13. That said, though, Brad, th- there's this still this weird dichotomy. Let's just stick with TV for a moment here. Like you said, like a, like a CSI, for example, is more graphic than a Friday the 13th that you see on AMC. Same thing with F, like a, a TV show on FX, Sons of Anarchy or something like that. They can say shit. They mm. can say pussy. Mm. You, but those same things get bleeped out when they're in a movie shown on FX. Does that make any sense? Well, it... Is that largely because it's not it's different people censoring it? Like, isn't it isn't that a case? Whereas, like, uh, you'll be watching a movie on you'll be watching something in syndication on Comedy Central or a movie on there, and they'll bleep out a word that they use in one of their shows. Isn't that because it's different people who are censoring the movie for a mass? television showing that's not necessarily specific to that network it 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 depends back when i worked in tv if you were buying something from an outside source from like Uh syndicator yes but like fx they show 20th century fox movies so Uh it's the same in-house people making the call then then no that doesn't make sense at all I saw a weird one. This is back when when AMC still was relatively uncut and they would show movies widescreen. I was watching 2010, The Year We Make Contact. They left in when he said shit, but they beeped out when he said pissed and and the God and God damn it. I was like, what? wait a minute. Your priorities on what needs to be beeped here are all backwards, guys. You You can't say God or pissed, but you can say shit. Or I hell I saw an episode of Cheers where they bleeped the word butt. Yeah, I, it, it's it's strange how that works, but we'll actually get way deeper into that in our MPAA episode, which I'm which I'm planning. For, for shocking, I mean, I know you you watch this movie for a snob, Child Bride. Yeah, that's pretty shocking even today. Can you imagine what that was like? On was that 30s or 40s? I want to say 30s. But on, on a 1930s audience, uh-huh. if, if you can imagine how shocking that is today, to the point where the MST3K guys said, we're not doing this movie. Yeah. Imagine what it was like then for audiences. I wasn't terribly shocked when I watched that movie. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's because I've seen way worse. Maybe it's because I'm watching stuff like that is like kind of the norm, or maybe I'm desensitized to it or something, but... But there, there. I mean, there's still stuff that shocks me. I mean, shocking. I think is shocking is different than saying something is disturbing. Some like you can get you can get disturbed by something that you may have seen in another movie, and it's just all how the movie handles it. 
I've seen many movies about snuff films, but eight millimeter and last house on dead end street are way more disturbing than like evil dead trap or like video violence or something like that. Like you can watch something that maybe you that, that has been shown in other things and it can have a level of intensity to it that can still disturb you. When you say that something this is disturbing, it seems like it's really the point of the movie when you and and that's a, and that's certainly a positive thing. When you say that something is very shocking, yeah, it, it can be positive, but it, it it can also necessarily not be because it can seem relatively gratuitous. Like it could seem like uh, like that it has no sense in context to anything. Like it's just there just to get a a rise out of the audience. It, it, it's just there really for no other reason than than that. And there are times when that can still happen to me, where I can be totally shocked by a movie. But that doesn't make it a good movie. Oh, look, Brad, look who decided to show up for the show this week. Alex Jowski. Hello. Wow, he sounds bitter, doesn't he, Brad? Hello. You know, Brad's got things to do. Me, not so much. But Brad does. Yeah, I got to film a movie about a killer wheelchair. I've got important things to do, damn it. Yeah, damn it. But Brad, going back to what you were saying about shocking... What about something like the the lost spider pit scene in King Kong for back mm. in 33? That was cut because it was considered so shocking and so graphic that 1933 audiences were walking out of the theater mm. when that scene came up. And that was relatively early in the movie. So for the sake of the film, they cut it out. Frankly, if the Frank Darbaugh, Peter Jackson recreation that they do on the DVD is even relatively close... It was pretty shocking for 1933 standards. Yeah, I mean, what's shocking to a 1933 audience is entirely different than what's shocking to an audience today. I mean, we're talking like 70-plus years of desensitization. Yeah, those people in the 1930s, they haven't seen a goddamn thing yet. Well, or it even goes back to from the Simpsons Halloween special, the very first one. Lisa, that wasn't scary, not even for a poem. Well, it was written in 1945. Maybe people were easier to scare back then. Oh, yeah. Like when you look at Friday the 13th Part 1. It's pretty tame by today's standards. And that was made in the early... And that was made in, what, 89, 90? Yeah. So the Friday the 13th films got even way more graphic since then. That it... Sometimes it's a natural progression, but then you've also got ones that are trying to be shocking. And I'm in full support of this. Postal 2. Uwe Boll has outright said he is going to make Postal 2 the most offensive, shocking film in movie history. Yeah, and it'll be good if it's done well. It won't be good just because it's the most shocking movie. Like It's like I said, a movie can be shocking, but it can still suck. It can still be stupid. Like, yeah, you could be shocked by... Ah, I don't know. Yeah, you could be shocked by newborn porn in a Serbian film. That was a shocking scene, but it was completely unnecessary. And it certainly didn't make it a good movie. Or those August Underground movies. Those things yeah. are terrible. They're shocking, yeah. but they're awful. Like, Yeah, like a guinea pig movie. That stuff is shocking, but that doesn't make it good or well-made in the least bit. Well, because, like, with Postal 2, Uwe hasn't even got the money for it yet, and he's already taking crap because people are already assuming that he's not going to try and make a good movie out of it. And personally, I liked the first Postal, so if he makes it the same way, I'm on board. And by the way, I've been trading emails with him. I'm trying to get a small cameo 
in it, uh-huh. and he and I are talking seriously about that, which would be pretty cool. I, I think Uve, because he lost his, that tax credit thing that I was shielded him before, and like Assault on Wall Street, Rampage, and that, he's been forced to become a much better filmmaker to our, as the viewer's benefit, I think. You really? You really found some fondness in Blubberella? No, n- n- not not Blubberella. I said Assault on Wall Street and Rampage. Yes. Yeah, Did I say Blubberella? You no, know, because it would have gone against your argument. Like something, like Brad, you, ta- you brought up a Serbian film. I haven't made it all the way through that movie, and I probably never will. But there seem- that film seems to exist solely to be shocking. The same way Grotesque, 2006, 2008 Japanese movie, I think, that has no story, and it is literally a couple being grotesquely tortured for 90 minutes, and that's it. And then the filmmaker said he was trying to make a statement about that people will still watch this kind of thing, and that, you know, it's a statement about the, about where society stands. And I'm just thinking, no, you just wanted to make an ultra gross movie, and that's it. Yeah, that's how I feel about that. Like, of course, people are going to watch it. It's something that's been made. Somebody's going to end up watching it. That's just such a bullshit excuse to make some perverse, shocking movie. And look, you can make, you can totally make a movie that exists solely to be shocking, but it can still be a relatively entertaining movie. It can. You can certainly do that well. Just like you can make a comedy that's intentionally meant to gross you out and be really sophomoric. And it can still be funny. It's all about doing it well. A Serbian film, to me, didn't do it well. It, it does have a story. I'll give it that. It, it does. And honestly, the story that it has isn't that bad. I can see that story being used in, an, in a much better movie. But the movie just delves into absolutely nothing but shock humor without any context just for the sake of shock humor. Like somebody getting their eye socket the newborn porn scene it it was just ugh like i know it's supposed to be gross i do but there's a difference between being gross and being un- just unnecessary i completely agree with the fact that it's gross for the sake of gross that movies that shock that if there is a purpose behind their shockingness is what i respect if they're really saying something and they're selling a point here that to try and convince you of something with that, their imagery. That I'll get behind. But like I said with the Serbian film, it's just shock for the sake of shock. Yeah, and, and uh, like the last act of like really any given Evil Dead movie is usually a smorgasbord of violence and mutilation and stuff like that. But that, that sets it up. It gives you an actual reason why this stuff is happening. You know, you might like it, you might not, but it does give you a reason why all of this stuff is going on it gives it it gives it enough believability that you could buy that this is happening in this universe that these movies have set up and it does the violence relatively well and they certainly have a they certainly have a, in the case of the first one it definitely has an intensity to it and in the sequels it certainly has a sense of humor going on like you can have violence that m- maybe necessary like you can have shocking violence that maybe necessarily doesn't have a point but it it will at least have some kind of context well i'm thinking of something like i spit on your grave the original not that saw remake the original to hear the director talk about it he was making a bold statement about women's place in society and i think he got a little carried away with just saying 
guys, faux rape my wife for 20 minutes, please. If you want a movie about women's place in society, watch Stepford Wives. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I I will watch Working Girl. Thank you very much. Uh, Melody Griffith, before she started to look like a Barbie doll melting in the sun. What about something like I Spit on Your Grave? Do you think that movie could have made the same point, assuming that that's what Zarkawi was going for? Could it have made the same point without being as... And Brad, you and you and I both enjoy the movie. Alex, I'm sure you do too. But it is ne- almost needlessly graphic, isn't it? Needlessly? No, I don't think so. Look, yeah, it is a long scene. It, Yeah, to say the least. It's definitely raw. I mean, you you wouldn't have a movie without that scene of some sort in there. And it certainly does convey the point that rape totally sucks. Yeah, like you like to have a whole a full sequence like that 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 that's that raw. And honestly, it's also it's a compliment to the movie too in that it's also well made. That sequence is is well made and it's pretty intense. Like uh, there's a couple of goofy things about it like the dude with his lenses and his glasses missing and, and stuff like that but i think you mean frames no lenses frames are what hold the lenses in place josh did you even watch his review oh right 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 i i completely forgot about that <laughs> i sorry sorry <laughs> my mistake for forgetting something in my own video <laughs> okay that that's an instance where i think that that scene was for the purpose of that movie for what that movie was trying to do i thought that that he did it fine. Was it a little long? Sure. But it certainly didn't make it a bad film. And it was certainly much, much, much better than a similar scene in Nail Gun Massacre that's about like one eighteenth the length. Well, then what about shocking for the sake of shocking again? Let's go to something really mainstream, stupid, but mainstream, Showgirls. To hear Paul Verhoeven talk about the rape scene in that, because the rest of the film was kind of sleazy, and then yeah. it gets uncomfortably sleazy for that one scene. And he was like, I wanted to shock the audience. That's what he says. I wanted to shock them with this scene. Well, and he failed. Honestly, that was one of the only arcs in the movie that I actually liked. I mean, okay, Showgirls is entertaining because it's stupid and it's so melodramatic to the point of absurdity. So th- there is unintentional entertainment to be had about Showgirls, but in terms of legitimately liking something in the movie, that whole arc, I actually didn't mind. How you have this girl who's obsessed with this pop singer, and then there's a gang rape scene, and then it turns into like a rape revenge movie where Elizabeth Berkeley puts on, like, dresses up in hooker gear and puts on high-heeled shoes and stomps the hell out of the guy. You know what? That I that whole part I actually didn't mind because that was the only part where I actually thought the tone of this movie actually works. Like Elizabeth Berkley's overacting, honestly, totally kind of fit with that whole sequence. Like if they had just straight up made a B revenge movie with her acting exactly the same, just like that, I think it would have been a much better movie. But Gina Gershon wouldn't have been nearly as much fun. Gina Gersh Gina Gershon is fine in that movie. Yeah, she's but, but, fun in it. Gina, but Gina Gershon is there are more. That movie is entertaining because it's so because it's so cheesy. And Gina Gershon, she isn't necessarily one of the funniest things about the movie because Gina Gershon honestly gives a legitimately pretty decent performance in it. 
the entertainment of that movie comes from Elizabeth Berkley being pretty bad. <laughs> Think, thinking she's a real actress for a moment, too. The whole rape thing did, wasn't shocking for me because I barely remember it. I remember a lot of the really cheesy stuff, like Elizabeth Berkley going down on Muad'Dib in a pool. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't I, really remember the rape scene as well. It's it's. I don't know if it was necessarily shocking because it's not like you wouldn't expect something like that to be in a movie like that. But it was certainly more raw than a lot of other things in that film. Well, then what what about like torture porn? I don't I don't necessarily like that term, but for for the sake of brevity, we'll we'll just use the term torture porn. To hear Eli Roth talk about Hostel, he seemed to want to make the, the most visceral torture scenes you've ever seen, man. And he didn't seem to remember that you have to care about the characters or the story to make those scenes visceral. Just having people we don't give a crap about tortured doesn't work. At that point, it becomes just shocking for the sake of shocking, doesn't it? Yeah, because you certainly need something to carry that. Look, there's nothing wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with making an expl. I mean, it's an exploitation movie for goodness' sake. Like, there's nothing wrong with making a movie and you want to make some really raw, punishing, like violent sequences of torture. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. There absolutely isn't. I mean, my God, I if I said that there was anything wrong with that, I'd be a huge hypocrite freaking cheap there's a scene where the pregnant woman gets a fetus ripped out you also have to have stuff in there that carries it you also have to be decent you you need you need to have decent characters you need to have you need to have something that you're giving a crap about you at least need to you need to have some sort of invested interest in in other things that are going on like the torture scenes should definitely be like i don't know if payoff's the right word but i mean like there certainly needs to be a build-up to that there certainly needs to be a reason that this is going on. And yeah, in Hostel, technically, there's a reason that it's going on. We just don't but, care what it is. Yeah, exactly. You just don't give a crap what it is, because these characters are obnoxious as hell. And you don't want to see a movie about these people. Like, I could give a crap about their story. I, I really couldn't. And like, if I actually gave a damn about any of them, about any of them, like, that story could be done fine. Hostel was, uh, I don't, I, a uh, hostel is exploitation, definitely. It felt to me like Eli Roth wanted to remake the last 15 minutes of Wolf Creek as a full movie. And in Wolf Creek, said Wolf really... Creek, it worked because we cared about the characters and their predicament. Yeah, you're exactly well, right. Like, uh, like that was in, in Wolf Creek, that was truly a climax. You were following these characters and getting to know them and getting to know them as people, and then this horrible thing happens to them in the last act of the movie. And yeah, in Hostel, all that stuff that's happening like in the second half of the movie, that would be fine if it actually had some kind of build-up, if, if you actually gave a crap. Yeah, because Wolf Creek was... These were all a group of normal people, and it's like... An hour and 15 minutes of nothing. It's just the, it's just character development as they go backpacking through Australia. I really like that. Like, uh, that's usually when you run into somebody who hates Wolf Creek, it's because of that. But in Wolf Creek, I, that worked for me. That totally worked for me. Like, I found those characters genuine as hell. Versus Hostile, where every character is the one that you wish dies first in a slasher movie. Yeah, an yeah. entire film full of them, though. 
Yes. A, yeah. Eli Roth is fucking terrible at painting a portrait of anyone that you give two shits about. All of his movies are all filled with what you guys just said. A handful of characters that are all made up of the guy that you want to see die first. And there's a reason why in slasher movies, that guy is only one guy. Because you don't want to make a whole cast of characters about that one guy. But like what I was thinking of, when I think of a, a company, an entire company that does shocking right for the most part, would be Troma. Uh-huh. They know how to be shocking, they know how to be gross, and you like it. Yeah, as much as I think, like, the puking stuff goes little lot over the top in, like, Terror Firmer and that, it fits with what you expect from a trauma movie. It has a sense of, it has a sense of humor about it, and e- even the ones, like, even the ones that aren't, like, Toxic Avenger or Terror Firmer or stuff like that, even when trauma puts out a movie that maybe they're just a distributor on, when they put out a movie that is shocking for pretty dark reasons, sometimes that will really work too, like Combat Shock, which has like some really uncomfortable scenes of like drug use, but it's done really well. Like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it, it does it in a way that feels like really genuine and natural. Like, it's a really, really solid, disturbing flick. Oh, Troma does it great. Troma, I mean, Lloyd Coffin will be the first to tell you that did you know Troma's More was the first movie to make a an age joke? It's except, all about except how you he do does it. it well. Yeah, yeah, he, he he breaks boundaries. Yeah, it's it, it, again, yeah, it's all about how you do it. It's it's about anything, like whether you're talking about getting an eyeball plucked out, whether you're talking about a pie in the face, whether you're talking about anything. It's just all about how you do it. It's about doing it wrong, and it's about doing it right, and hopefully you do it right. I mean, I've certainly seen movies that do it both ways, do it wrong and do it right. A lot of them being the Amazon Cannibal films. I was, gonna, I was gonna bring up Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. When the characters in that movie are getting killed, it is brutal. It's brutal, slightly night- nightmarish, a little disturbing and very haunting. You come away from a lot of those scenes like like, yeah, feeling pretty disturbed but definitely in a good way. It's certainly the, the intent of that movie and they did that part of it well. Where it's unnecessary and completely and utterly sadistically morally corrupt is butchering animals left and right in the movie. There's oh, no, you'll get no argument out of me with that. There's no reason for it at all. I'm sorry, there's not. There's An animal should never have to die for a goddamn movie. There's no reason it should be in there. It would be the it would be the the story would be the exact same story if it wasn't in there. Um, Hell, in fact, it, my DVD allows me to watch Cannibal Holocaust without those scenes. And and might as you don't, well, you don't even fast, notice it. You don't even yeah, notice they're not there if you didn't know it. Because they're unnecessary. There's absolutely no reason why they butcher a turtle. None other than or the just, monkey. Yeah, none other than just to shock the audience, and that's. Somehow that's a trademark of those cannibal movies, whether you're talking about Jungle Holocaust, Eaten Alive, or Cannibal Ferox, and it doesn't make any sense in any of them. You know what? Even if those scenes are so poorly placed in the movie that even if it wasn't real, even if it was simulated, even if it was a simulated alligator getting killed in Cannibal Ferox, even if it was a simulated turtle getting killed in either Ferox or Holocaust, it was it's still unnecessary. They're not put in there well. It's an entirely gratuitous, for the sake of being gratuitous, sequence 
you can never convince me that those need to be there. And if you are, you are fucking kidding yourself. Well, then let me ask you something. Any about... movie by Ray Cardona Jr., basically. Yeah, Ray, Ray Cardona likes to kill animals for real, too. Remember when we were discussing Cyclone? Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I think they really killed the dog, and you're like, it was Ray Cardona. They absolutely uh, really killed that dog. Ray Cardona Jr., to be specific, and he also was killing sharks all the left and right in Tiburon. Jesus. But Ray Cardona Sr. didn't kill animals. Ray Cardona Sr. made shit like that old Santa Claus movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I've, I've seen some movies that, and, and this just tells you how much the shocking marketing has changed. Some of some of the movies like Shark Hunt and Shark's Treasure from the 70s, this is pre-Jaws, so this was just people having to brave sharks to get the gold kind of thing. Those movies sold themselves, I mean, it says right in the trailer. Somewhere in these waters, there's a treasure worth a fortune in gold. The treasure is waiting for anybody who wants it. The sharks are waiting for everyone who tries. Four men are heading straight into the jaws of death. They're going to get the shark's treasure or die trying. This is the story of the deadliest treasure hunt ever undertaken. It is a story that was filmed at the risk of life and limb. The captain. He thought he saw every hell on earth, but he never faced the terror of shark's treasure. The ex-navy diver. He gave up his job and lost a great deal more. The kid. He knew where the treasure was at, and he knew he was nothing without it. And it's there between the rocks and the island. I can find that blindfold with a bag over my head. The POW, he survived the tiger cages of Vietnam for the fight of his life. Filmed 350 miles out in the Coral Sea. No trick photography, no miniatures, no mechanical models were used. For the first time on the screen, you will see the full fury of the killer sharks in a feeding frenzy. This is a drama of violence and greed. A story of men who risk their lives for a fortune and fight to the death to keep it. Shark's treasure is like no other adventure you've ever seen. And be warned. Shark's treasure is a motion picture you will never forget. No fake sharks all real animals in this movie, and then they show a shark getting speared through the face. Yeah. And you're going, that used to be a selling point? We really killed sharks for this movie. You people, should appreciate it, people. People really hated sharks back then, man. Dude, hell, like, Eaten Alive, the movie, the the, the Lindsay uh, cannibal movie, Eaten Alive. Okay, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say Toby Hooper's? Not, no, 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 not Toby Hooper's, the, the Lindsay one with Robert Kerman. That movie uses stock footage of animals getting killed from, like, Jungle Holocaust and, like, other cannibal movies that killed animals like they're so obsessed with putting animal butchering in them that they're using stock footage from the which i guess <laughs> i guess on the one hand means that well it's better I guess than they, doing it again yeah i guess they didn't do it again well even though that there were i think there were a couple times when they did do it again but they're using footage from like mountain of the cannibal god and jungle holocaust and stuff like that but like <laughs> it still doesn't make it 
fucking necessary. They had to, in post-production, put in a leaf over a shot to cover up that the stick a guy was using to piss off a snake in order to get it to attack this, like, monkey or something on there. I can't remember what, but moral of the story is they're assholes. But then let, let me ask you this. Let's stick with the Cannibal Holocaust for a moment. Now, Cannibal Holocaust came out in 1980, and it was shocking then. I didn't see Cannibal Holocaust for, for the first time until high school mm-hmm. when I saw a friend's bootleg. So I'm thinking 91, 92, and it was shocking then. I know people that when I show that to them today, it's still shocking. Yeah. So again, like I like I brought up with the King Kong example, what does that say about how shocking it was when it was new? I don't know. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know, honestly. I mean, certainly there are more people. Certainly it has a wider audience now than it did in 1980. I think it's the kind of movie, though, that, I mean, when you take the animal stuff out of it, I think it's the kind of movie, though, that its violence towards the human characters in it does have such a raw intensity to it that no matter what year or era you show it to somebody, depending on the person you're showing it to, there's still a good chance it might really disturb or off-put them because, again, it's how you do it. it it's, 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 it's the context of it, and that has a certain raw level of violence that, that you didn't see in something like King Kong in the 1930s. We're, we're talking about different things here when we're talking about a 1930s audience and when we're talking about an 80s up-until-today audience. Uh, you also have to take into account where Cannibal Holocaust would have played yeah, it, it, there was a Forty I Second Street staple. Yeah, yeah. that the, the, those were audiences that were a bit more used to that kind of thing. I mean, this wasn't going to open on the same theater as a Disney movie. Yeah, but, that's that's what I mean, and that like <laughs> it has a much wider audience today than it did in 1980. That said, what about something like like Fulci's Zombie? Uh-huh. Zombie, you can buy at Walmart now, and the eyeball scene is on the back of the box. <laughs> What does that say about the evolution of just, let's just stick with the eyeball scene of how shocking that was. I still can't watch that entire scene, Brad, without cringing. That's, it's a, br- it's a cringeworthy scene. And the, the, that You're scene a pussy, and the Josh. Razor, that scene in the razor blade and the eyeball from New York Ripper, those oh, two dear. things still get me today, man. I'm with you on that, man. Like the, the, the razor to the eyeball in New York Ripper. Oh, dude. The razor through the nipple. Like, that's... <laughs> and you know what? And New York Ripper, I love. I absolutely love New York Ripper. Like, yeah, I mean, it's got rough stuff like that in there, but it's a movie about a guy who mutilates people, so like... While he sounds like Donald Duck. Yeah, yeah, while he sounds like Donald Duck. I think that the movie used those in, in, in perfect context to the fact that, yeah, it's an exploitation movie. It's a really graphic, sleazy giallo. And we know Fulci has a thing for eyes. He does it in every damn movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He also (laughs) has a thing for killing off that actress, too. I can't remember the actress's name, but she's the same one who puked out her own organs in City of the Living Dead. What does that say about where we've come for shocking? That at Walmart, you can buy Zombie with that right on the back of the box, or even sticking with Zombie... I mean, yeah, the zombie fighting the shark thing might not be totally, it, it, it might not be totally graphic any longer. But, but it's totally awesome. It is that, but it's now being used in PC commercials. Uh-huh. It's being used in internet commercials. What does that say about that scene's acceptance? 
I think more people have seen it in that commercial than even know what movie it's from. I think that what it says about that is that the movie just has a much wider audience now, and something like that is more likely to happen than it would 30 years ago. But in terms of having something like that on the box art, I mean, I think that it's come far in the sense that you'll find something like that at a Walmart. In terms of it actually being used in promotional shots and promotional material, you had stuff like that in the 70s and early 80s. Maybe not entirely as frequently as now, but they're a lot more widely available now. So, of course, it's gonna, you're going to see that more now. But you can find alternate posters to things with, that have somebody getting stabbed or somebody getting shot. Like you, You'll find stuff like that from... Six or seventies and early eighties Italian flicks. Hell, the uh, the the poster itself for Zombie is a rotting corpse with worms in its empty eye socket. And it still does cater to a specific audience because if you see it at Walmart, it's obviously in the horror section. So it's catering to people that are going to want to watch horror movies to see things like that. You're not going to find Zombie at Walmart sitting in between a copy of Tangled and the Smurfs. You will if I get to rearrange the shelf. <laughs> well, that's because you hate people that shop at Walmart. That's true. But hey, Todd Sheets, what he used to do, whenever he would find one of those, you know, this is in the VHS era, whenever he would find one of those, like, edited for home video movies, you know, done by, like, those religious places, uh, yeah. he, he would rent them, tape over the tab, record Cannibal Holocaust on the tape, and then return it. Good for him. It, it was his little uh, social terrorism there. But I then, like that. I, ap- I approve. But then what about something that actually got more shocking as it went on? Birth of a Nation, for example, when that came out, people were like, oh, yeah, the, the Klan will save us, damn black people. Now they look at it, and it's shocking. I think and they were saying something. it wasn't when it came out. I don't know. I think they were saying something a little more harsh than damn black people. I'm trying to be sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you see my point that that movie was accepted when it came out. Now it's seen as, I can't believe this ever even got made. Oh, I can believe when it, I can believe that it got made when you consider the society it was made during. <laughs> I mean, that, that shows how we've come as a society, not, not just how we've come in, in terms of filmmaking. I mean, yeah, it's, it's certainly that too, but if society were back then what it is today, the birth of the birth of a nation wouldn't have existed back then. I'm pretty sure that there are movies made today that 60 years from now when we're all dead, people will be like, I can't believe they made Possibly, but I mean, today today you you can't be as overtly racist as Birth of a Nation is, such as The Turner Diaries by Andrew McDonald. They've been the, the neo Nazis have been trying to make that into a movie for years, and gee, what a surprise! No studio wants to back the Turner Diaries. Funny that, huh? But a studio from the 1920s, if that same property was offered to them, would have went, yeah, you know what? This speaks to real Merkins, and I think that's where shocking has moved. That things that weren't now are, and things that were now aren't, and I think. That is a reflection of our society, good or bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, 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 abso- there's absolutely nothing wrong with growing as a society and realizing that uh, certain things in uh, Scrubby Mama with the Boogie Beat <laughs> are not necessarily very good. 
Well, and then sometimes you you've got the you've got these movies that are famous for being shocking that aren't really all that good or aren't what people are expecting. Brad, you've brought this up numerous times. The original Last House on the Left. Yes, you've got the shocking scenes. Most people don't remember the goofy, goofy slapstick corn pone sheriff deputies, do they? Yeah. They just yeah. remember the shocking parts. And and to me, like that goofy with the sheriff and the chicken coop and all that stuff kind of ruins a lot of the shocking moments in that movie. Do you think that maybe was the intent? Do you think Craven went yeah, in? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I think that, like, I mean, I don't know for sure, but, I mean, if the intent of it was to, for the violence to be even more disturbing because it's coming after slapstick comedy, I can buy that as a reason that it was there. I can. You see that as a defense for those scenes all the time. And you know what? I believe it. I do. For me, I just don't think it works at all. I think that it throws a crowbar into the tone of that movie. It, the slapstick scenes remain slapsticky, and the disturbing scenes are no longer disturbing, and that's a problem. And, like, you'll you'll find people who, who won't be disturbed by something like Cannibal Holocaust, because they're, they're probably in their head, they're thinking it's going to be something like Guinea Pig. Like, it's going to be the most graphic film ever made. And it's not. It, it's not, but it's it's about how it does its violence that, to me, makes it pretty disturbing. But yeah, you'll you'll find people like, I saw this and didn't think it was gross or disturbing at all. To which I always want to respond with, oh my god, you are so cute. Let's go back to Cannibal Holocaust for a sec. Now, let, let's give them the sake of ar- the argument here, okay? That they were being artistic with... With that they really wanted to make a statement about violence, you know, in the New York scenes in Cannibal Holocaust. Fair enough. Do you think they made the jungle scenes so graphic to illustrate their point? Or do you think they shot the New York scenes, which were shot after the fact, to kind of balance, we went a little overboard and we kind of got to justify? Uh, no, I never got that feeling from it. I thought it worked as a solid story. It's a, it, it sets it up that these filmmakers went into the woods and got lost and it starts out in the city. He goes on the journey to find the footage. He brings it back and they watch it. And it's not just them watching it. It's intercut with a bunch of different scenes with him and the network executives, him and the, on the editing room floor. I mean, it isn't just straight through Blair, Witch project they're watching found footage at all. Like, if you were to take out the New York sequences in it, it would be like a 30-minute movie. I'm thinking something like they, they went and made the, the jungle stuff so graphic that they said, man, we've got to have some sort of moral justification for this. So let's actually yell at the people who go to see this movie because it's so graphic. We're going to preach against them. I now I know I, I can't imagine Ruggiero Deodato needing a moral justification to shoot some of the things he shoots a guy who's gonna butcher a turtle doesn't give a crap if you're morally outraged by the violence that he's showing you diodato didn't care about morals josh (laughs) yeah (laughs) what (laughs) that's why i prefaced all that with let's give him the benefit of the doubt here the benefit of the doubt is not moral justification. He, he's like, I'm going to kill this turtle and make these people eat people, and that's what I'm going to do. I like Diodato. I just, I, yeah. I, I can never forgive the animal, wanton animal cruelty. And yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. care that as, 
as an old man, he he's like, oh, you know, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't. It's still, well, you chose to then. You don't get to back out of that one. You sometimes think that shocking to the mainstream and shocking to, say, the underground is such a wide divide that the that the term when it comes to film shocking really has it, it's it's weakened meaning because like all of us we're big exploitation fans but like i said when i show somebody who's not into horror movies i show them zombie mm-hmm. and they just squirm in their chair is that good or bad i don't know because that's kind of odd in the sense that like there are more graphic zombie movies now zombie necessarily I'm, I'm talking specifically eyeball scene because that's the oh I specifically sh- that, that that's the scene i show everybody for specifically just... the eyeball scene yeah oh, okay because that's the scene that hooks me up brad and don't get me wrong i i i was really just kind of talking about like levels of violence i think fulci's zombie is heads and tails much better than any zombie movie we get <laughs> nowadays well i mean you know they're two different audiences uh, your typical mainstream audience isn't going to watch something like that it's typically not going to watch something like New York Ripper or Cannibal Holocaust, so of course it's going to shock them. Just like somebody who's into light fluff might show a hardcore exploitation guy something, and they'll think it's stupid, you know? They'll think, I mean, maybe not necessarily, but let's say it's just something that's not necessarily their taste. You know, certain movies are made for certain audiences. But something sometimes some of those break into the relative the underground mainstream if that oxymoron makes any sense they start going through the mainstream in an underground way like human centipede did i don't think i know anybody who hasn't seen human centipede including people who are not normally horror film fans you can really gauge who was and was not a horror fan before that to who's shocked by it and who's like eh. i don't know i mean i uh, like i know plenty of people who haven't seen human centipede those people have heard of Human Centipede. Like, look, my dad is never going to watch The Human Centipede, but he's heard of it. And that is something, because my dad is far from being an exploitation horror guy. Like, I, I guarantee you, he's never heard of New York River. But he has heard of The Human Centipede. I, don't, I, I know plenty of horror exploitation people who are still... Who are grossed out by the concept of The Human Centipede. Because it is gross. Like, I, I know people who were grossed out by the concept of that. I don't think that that's necessarily a difference between mainstream and horror audiences. You can be both and be grossed out by the fa- by somebody shitting in someone's mouth. But once you see the movie, I didn't... I actually found it kind of... I found the movie slightly humorous in a way. I thought th- I thought that the doctor carried that entire movie and actually made it worth watching i thought as a movie it was pretty terrible and i think that's the other difference you've got your mainstream audience that is watching human centipede because it's shocking and then you've got your horror and they're liking it and then you've got your horror audience that's going it's not really that shocking it's also not really all that well made i didn't think it was necessarily poorly made but uh i didn't think it was the most shocking thing that i've ever seen conceptually yeah, it's conceptually it's shocking. It is when you hear the concept. Yeah, it is when you actually sit down and watch the movie. The movie that you're picturing in your head is a lot more gross and graphic than the movie you're picturing on the screen. I don't think it's a great movie. There are parts of it that I think kind of carry it a little bit. I I think that the, 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 the performance of the doctor totally carries that movie and makes it. And in my opinion, actually makes it worth watching. 
to me, Human Centipede is ass to mouth above the sequel. <laughs> yeah, the the sequel sucks. This uh, Human Centipede two was bullshit. But then there's also movies that are not shocking in their visuals, but shocking in the theme. But there's nothing horrible that happens on screen. It's what you know happened off screen that makes it worse. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't actually see anything in Texas Chainsaw, not really. But you know that it happened, and that's what makes the movie uncomfortable and shocking. Yeah, you're exactly right. Todd Salon's happiness, there's that entire story with pedophilia. You don't actually see any of that on screen, but you know that it happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that can, it's all about, and yeah, it's about tone. It's about how it's it, it it's handling it like between that and between chainsaw massacre it's definitely about the raw tone of that film that it makes it feel like you're seeing more than you actually are do you think that is let's just take texas chainsaw for an example i i know that's what hooper was going for and he, i think he def, definitely succeeded but do you think that that's why texas chainsaw is still thought of as this ultra gory bloody movie when it really isn't, do you think it's just kind of the shock factor of how well Hooper directed it? Well, I think a couple things go towards that. One, the title, and two, the sequels. The sequels being more graphic than they are. I think that some people might have it in their head that the first movie is is like that too. You know, it, it might be. It, it's kind of the same with the people who would go into like First Blood thinking it's going to be like Rambo Three have a stereotypical idea in your head of what these movies are based on their sequels. People have have it in their head that the original Halloween is like any of the sequels, and it's not. No, because, I mean, two's the one where you started seeing people getting shanked in the eyes and shit. Do you consider movies that you grew up with as shocking, or, or you know, maybe even just ones that had the reputation of being shocking, maybe not to shocking to you personally, do you think that that the definition has changed a lot since you were growing up or has it been relatively the same? I think that the, that the definition is, is sort of the same. It's just that I think that there are more people desensitized to a lot of mainstream stuff nowadays, but, and, but a lot of the, a lot of that stuff that was more shocking back then has a more wider, has, has a wider appeal now, a wider availability now than it did 30 years ago so you're more likely to see something like cannibal holocaust in the in hell in retail stores now than you ever would 30 years ago so i i don't think that necessarily the definition is 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 any different i think attitudes might be a little different because more people see it more people get desensitized to it but but even with that being said depending on the person that you are you're you're still probably going to be shocked by something that's in a movie like Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, I don't think the concept of shock has changed just what it takes to sh shock people because of desensitization and the fact that the very shocking underground stuff eventually made it to the mainstream, which desensitized more people. That nowadays, if you were to take something like American Pie back to 1930, they'd burn you with the stake. My thought is that it's not... It's all built on your experiences. Like, we grew up watching these movies. For, for lack of a better way to put it, we, we gradually worked our way up to something like Cannibal Holocaust. If you take somebody who's used to watching rom-coms and show them Cannibal Holocaust, it's going to be a lot more shocking than somebody who grew up on the Friday the 13th movies 
and just hasn't seen Cannibal Holocaust yet. Yeah, but if you're showing a Nicholas Sparks fan Cannibal Holocaust, that's because you're a goddamn sadist. <laughs> so where can we find Brad Shocker Jones? <laughs> you can you can find me at herfirsttimeshocker.com. Doesn't that also translate to cinemasnob.com? <laughs> Depending on what country you're in. Yeah, you can find me at thecinemasnob.com. Where can we find Spocker Alex Jowski? Geekjuicemedia.com. You can find me at geekjuicemedia.com as well as 1201beyond.com and contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a shocking night, guys. Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.